And uh, we're going to kind of pick back up here in verse 9 down and following and look at a few things and then kind of step away from the text a little bit and talk about these uh, unclean spirits, the demons, the devils, and all this good stuff uh, maybe over the next couple weeks and uh, just kind of see what's happening here. Uh, This passage is one of the most popular passages Actually, it's one of the most popular miracles done by the Lord. Everybody knows about the maniac of Gadara. And as we've been through verse 6, And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And again, we verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And again, the Lord here, he's uh, going in to that territory of darkness, the satanic stronghold in the northern section of Israel, and uh, he's invading. And uh, this man comes out. He's been up in the mountains. He's living in the tombs. Actually, he's from Decapolis, uh, which means the ten cities, and he has, so he's a really a city dweller, and yet the unclean spirits, the legions here, have him, have him out doing something that, he, that no one that knows him would expect him to do. You know, it's always interesting, like, you know, we enjoy camping, and we go camping, and then you run into people who've never camped before, and they fall in love with it and go, oh, wow, this is great. And then you never see them again because it's easier to go to the hotel than it is to pitch a tent and cook the food, you know, all this. It's easier to just stay in town. Well, here's a guy up in the mountains, uh, up amongst the tombs, cutting himself. And we've looked at all of that issue there of Baal worship. That's why verse 6, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. That's not how you and I think about him worshiping. It's rather him worshiping uh, according to the Baal, that, relig- that vain religious system. Uh, we, and again, we looked last time back in, in Isaiah there where he says, Fear Jehovah, and they're out worshiping their own gods. They fear Jehovah, and yet they're over here in the Baal. So Israel is out in that vain religious system, and they're worshiping Christ that way in a very paganized way. And again, that's the real problem that we see pictured in this guy is that Israel had completely assimilated into the pagan uh, idolatry, the, the Baal worship that Scripture calls it, and uh, they left the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in, in so much that they've left the God of the Bible and then they went over here and they, they assimilated themselves into the, the, the gods of the world. And that, therefore, has Baal worship then completely has taken over the nation. And, uh, again, it, we see this. We're in the Lord's Day. That happened way back, fifth course of judgment. Ju- actually, it happened back in Judges, right as, as they come out. So, uh, verse 7, he, the, this guy uh, says to him, you know, what have I to do with thou, uh, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? He knows who Christ is. He calls him the most, the Son of the Most High God. So, again, that possessor of heaven and earth. So he understands who Christ is, 
and that issue there about that thou torment me not, he understands that Christ has come to take back possession of the land, to take back possession of the, not only the earth, the land, but also of the nation of Israel. So this guy, no, he, he, there, he's not a Bible dumbbell. He understands what's happening. He understands what's going on. And when the Lord asks him, who are you? And he says, well, I am legion. Again, that military, that Roman term uh, of, of, of uh, at least uh, a company of at least 2,000 people. You know, he says, hey, here we are. I'm right there with you. And uh, again, that issue there that Satan has his armies in place and designed to defend the territory to fight against. We looked last time in Luke 11. The kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God has come to do battle with the kingdom of Satan. And these guys are here. And, and literally, with these guys being in place, we have the adversary has pulled all of his resources into the nation of Israel because now Messiah is there. The one, we're going to look Sunday when we talk about the Lord as the stumbling stone in Romans 9. The Lord is there. Israel has rejected him, but Satan knows who he is. This guy knows who he is, and all of that is there. So we see Christ come here to the territory uh, of, of satanic darkness. He's invading the stronghold. And again, he's come not to completely liberate it right now. It's not the time to do that. That's second coming. Rather, he's come now to demonstrate how he will deliver the two houses of Israel that are under satanic captivity. That's why Matthew has two guys. There's two there. Why? Because there's the two houses of Israel. And we talked about that. Uh, if you look now at verse uh, 9, uh, my name is Legion, for we are many. Verse 10, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Again, the issue here was they didn't say, don't kick us out of the guy. Don't kick us out of the what? The country, the land. They know that they can find another person to inhabit. Okay? When we talk next time uh, about the, these demons, these unclean spirits, they are dispossessed body spirits. They've lost their bodies. And it'll go back with that stuff back in Genesis 6 under the flood and the stuff in Jude about the angels held that left their first estate and they're held in chains of darkness. And we'll, we're going to look at some of that as we go forward here. But what, they're, what they are doing is inhabiting the land. And they know that Christ is going to throw out all the unclean spirits from the land in the kingdom. They know that. They understand that. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to hold on to the land. And they're holding the land in a corrupt manner. If the land is corrupt, then God can't use the land as the seat of his authority. If the people are corrupt, then he can't use the people. So what you have here is you have the, the, this guy come in and he says, Hey, don't kick us out of the land. Don't send us out of the country. So they corrupt, if, again, if they corrupt the people, you can't use them. So you've got a corrupt people in a corrupt land. 
so they're no longer usable. So now God can't fulfill and do what he's going to do. That's why you have the new covenant issue with the house of Israel and the house of Jacob, Jeremiah 31 and so forth. Why? Because God's going to fix the people. He's already fixed the land. Daniel 9, the land, 70 years are up, the, the land's good, but it's going to take me 70 weeks of years to clean up the people. And that's where we're at here. And by the way, with the Lord coming, it's time to finish cleaning up. The, the, the time has come to clean up the people. Okay? By the way, we're in the land here, and on the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is sitting there, and he's, he says, don't swear by Jerusalem, the city of the great king. See, Jerusalem's important. That's where he's going to set up his kingdom. So corrupt the people, no problem, but don't kick us out of the land. You want to throw us out? Verse 11, nigh there was there, there was there, uh, now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Hey, don't kick us, kick us out of the guy. Don't kick us out of the land. Why don't you put us in the swine? Now, there's a problem. What is The only reason you have swine, the only reason to raise pigs is to eat them. But the pig, the swine, is an unclean animal in it to Israel. So what's a herd doing in Israel? You see, they're not supposed to be eating the unclean. There's a herd here, so the real problem here is that they shouldn't be there to begin with, but yet they are. We lo Again, we looked at last time about the issue. Well, we'll look at it here in just a minute. Isaiah 65 and the, the eating of swine's flesh. All of that is a picture of Baal worship, and they're in it. They're in the mountains. Look at verse 11. Now there was nigh unto the mountains the place where the man's been worshiping. There, there's all of this, the, this connection here. And ultimately, it's demonstrating in Israel's history the lack of care and the lack of obedience to God's word. There's a herd. And, and by the way, if you look down at uh, verse um, Oh, 14, and they that fed the swine fled. See, they're actively keeping the swine together. They're, it's not a herd of wild pigs. It's uh, cultivated. And again, the only reason you have pigs around is to eat them, you know. When I was driving my school, when I was working for Chandler, I drove a school bus. My school bus, we, there was empty fields down at the south end of Chandler, and there was a... A, goat, a sheep farmer, and he moved his little herd from one field to the next field. But when, that, when those sheep left, there was nothing left in that field. See, there's a use for sheep in that manner. There's no use. If you put pigs on there, you know what they do? They're just going to root around and make a mess. Those sheep, it was fascinating actually to watch them because it was one guy, and he used two dogs, and he would move his pen and open his pen and move it. And he penned them because the, there was no fencing on the, ground, on the property. And he would move them from one side to the other. And then, and then he would move across the street. And he would work that side. And by the time he got done, it was time to kind of repeat the process. Why? Keep the weeds down and everything. 
So there's a benefit there. Here there's no benefit unless you are eating it. And this is not talking about having bacon with your eggs for breakfast. This is talking about participating in the rites and the rituals and the ceremonies of Baal worship. When he talks there about eating, eating the pigs and stuff, well, look, if you will, at verse 12, just real quick. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Notice in verse 9, it's one guy talking. Who are you? We're legion. We're, so they got a spokesman. But in verse 12, they're all speaking now. They're all saying, send us, don't kick us out of the country, but send us into the swine. They have a desire to continue in what they are doing. They don't want anything to change. Now, the issue of the swine. Come back to Isaiah 65. We were here last week, last lesson, and we'll do it again, just so you see, because the, the, the eating of the swine and with the swine, the, con the connection. Again, it has nothing to do with whether you had sausage this morning with your breakfast or turkey. Well, if you had turkey sausage, I guess that's turkey. Okay, but if you had, you know, pork sausage, it, he's not talking about eating bacon. He's talking about this, verse 1, Isaiah 65, 1. I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. Sounds a little bit like Romans 1, <laughs> when Paul's describing the heathen here. And again, here's what's happening. This is actually going to describe perfectly what's taking place in Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the story here. Verse 3, A people that provoked me to anger continually to my face. Notice, Verse 1, unto a nation that was not called by my name. A rebellious people. See, they're walking in their own. They have, Israel has left the word of God. They've left the covenant. They've broken the covenant. They're over here doing something. And that, that's why in Hosea, Paul there in Romans 9, you know, O.C., they say, hey, we're done. I've, you're, you are a vessel of dishonor. That's where they're at here. They're under the fifth course. Verse uh, 3 there. That sacrifice in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick. It's interesting. They're altars of brick. Israel was told to go gather up stones. Stones are not bricks. Bricks man-made. Stones are out there laying in the, gra in the gravel which remain among the graves, there they are, the tombs, and lodge in monuments. See, the monument to what happens under the lie program, which is in the graves, which is death, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in their vessels. Again, he's out there practicing and He's practicing this vain religious system. And these unclean spirits are sitting there saying, hey, 
Cast us over here in the swine. But why are the swine there? Why is there a herd there? Because they're having this religious ceremony. They're having this activity here. And it's something that it should never have happened, should never be in the nation of Israel. Come over to chapter 66 of Isaiah. This passage is a second coming passage. Okay, Isaiah 66, uh, jumping in at verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves Notice, in the gardens, behind one tree, in the midst. So if they're in the gardens, where are we? Well, what are they doing in Isaiah 65? Eating swine's flesh. Oh, by the way, what does he say? Eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith the Lord. The... (laughs) He's telling Israel here, don't get caught eating swine's flesh, eating the mouse, participating in the abominable things over there. When I don't be part, when I when the Lord comes back, you better not be in the, mixed up in that religious system, because you're, the flame of His fire and His fury is going to be poured out on you. You're gonna you're gonna, you're taking your life into your own hands. Why? Because they're out after that vain religious system. And if they, they're trying, you know what they're doing? Verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 17. They that sanctify themselves. See that? They're out there trying to do this themselves. That's why they're in 65 when he says there at the end of verse 2, after their own thoughts. They're out there in that vain religious system trying to do something that's going to sanctify themselves. And you know what? It's going to destroy them. And that's the point. Come back to Mark 5. So the picture here is a picture of that unclean spirit, that, say, that legion, The military, they're in place. The armies are there. They're ready to withstand the onslaught from the Son of the Most High, God. And they got this guy, and he's they've got Israel captive, polluted, corrupted by a vain religious system. That's why 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, Paul talks about Moses read daily in the veil over your head and all this stuff, and you're blinded. Why? Because what does the religion of, what does the doctrines of devils do? It blinds you from the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. So when you come over here, back to Mark 5, by the way, Luke 15, you remember the prodigal son? And he goes off, and he's out eating the husk of the swine that the swine eat. And yet, he says, what, I don't belong here. It's, i got to go home. 
See, Israel's full of the, all during the earthly ministry, Israel's just full of this stuff, this connection into Baal worship. Why? Because it's got them captive. Verse 13, 5.13. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Now, notice something. They make a request of the Lord. Actually, they make two requests. Don't kick us out of the country. Put us in the swine. And you know what? He gave them it. He let them have it. He lets them have what they request. They asked to go into the swine. So what did they do? He gave them leave. He let them go. They go into the swine. Now, and then where'd the swine do? They go running down and they're, they're killed off. They go running right into the deep, into the sea. And they're dead. They've been judged. So think about this. The unclean spirit. Don't kick us out of the country, all right? But throw us into the swine. That was the, all, the, all, the alternative. So they, he puts them into the swine, lets them go into the swine, and then they go right into the sea, and they drowned. It would have been counterproductive to their purpose of waiting if they'd have just stayed where they were. But they couldn't wait. We got an activity. And what's happening here is Christ gave, gave leave to go into the swine, and then the judgment fell on them, and they are destroyed. So what you have is you have a picture of the timing of what's going to happen here because there's some things that are happening here timing-wise. It's not time for him to pound out the judgment. That's why in Matthew 8, he says, you're tormenting us before the time. Remember that. It's not time for that final judgment. So the Lord demonstrating how he's going to liberate Israel, the land and the people, he says, sure, go ahead. And then they run right down in and their own judgment. And they go, literally, they fall down into the pit. And that's ultimately where they're going to end up. Come over to Luke 8. And this is kind of where, well, I want to finish the 20, but just look at Luke 8 and see this issue here at Luke 8. Luke 8 and verse 30. Luke 8 and verse 30. They go into the sea. That's what Mark 5 said. Luke 8.30, And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that, that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now, in Mark 5, it was not to go out of the country. Here, it's into the what? Into the deep. Don't throw us into the deep. If you look back up there at verse 28, I beseech thee, torment me not. They know that there's a time when he's going to send them out into the deep, the pit, judgment. Isaiah 66 back there 
He talks there about where, where uh, men are going to come out of Jerusalem and they're going to look down into the pit down there and they're going to see the carcasses of humanity, of sin, of sin. And there they are. And there's a shape to the universe. And, and that's what I want to get into with you here over the next couple weeks where literally there is this issue of the deep and the 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 there there's water below and above the earth and we'll see this above and below the earth and that water is called the deep and that's literally where the lake of fire is going it is it's going to be and it's in that deep the 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 unclean spirits Come back to, oh man, I just tempted to get into it, but I, I want to finish Mark 5, the 20, the section. So just think about this, okay? In Deuteronomy 5, the Lord tells the angelic realm, you're going to die like men do, okay? They had a body. But then they're going to die as man, do, man does. Now, who he's talking about, he do, by the way, he talks about it in Psalms 82. Who he's talking about, these unclean spirits, are spirits that are dis, they don't, they're disembodied spirits. They don't have a body. They've been judged. It's the thing there in Jude about the, the, they left their first estate. So when the flood happened, in Genesis 6, 7 and 8 there, when the flood comes, it literally takes those angels that left their first estate and judges them, and they die as man does. They got a body like man does. Um, and when that happens, these spirits, some go over here, some go over here, and they're, but they're being used by the adversary to come in now and to pollute the land and so forth, okay? We're, we're going to look at all of that, I promise you. I, to, the, this evening, I, I want to get through this, okay? So there, when he says here in Luke 8, don't throw us into the deep, he's, not ta he's talking about more than just the water over there. He's talking about the pit, they know that there's going to be that judgment, but they know it's not time yet for it. And they know it's coming, and yet what are they still trying to do? Get out of it. They're still trying to beat it. And that issue of the deep is going to be very critical, okay? All right, you're looking at me like, huh? I just d dumped a whole bunch on you, didn't I? All right, just real quick, run back to Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5, just so you see it. And then, again, I want to go get into it with you and uh, get Deuteronomy 5 and get Psalms 82. And we'll just look at these two passages and then... So Deuteronomy 5, if you look at verse 8, verse 1, And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statute and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep and do them. 
And he, the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, and the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. Verse 6, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. He's literally going to re-give them. He's going to give them again the Ten Commandments. Verse 8, now watch. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. That's the deep. Okay, now if you think about Genesis 1 and the issue of the deep, so run back to Genesis 1 quickly here, Genesis 1, and if you look at verse 6, Genesis 1, 6, and God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under, under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, all right? And the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, that firmament, heaven, waters above, and waters, firmament's just an open space. So he literally takes the structure of the universe is in a rectangle, okay? Verse, Genesis 1, verse 2, I, I lost it. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep, okay? Right? Or is it waters? Is it waters? Waters, okay? Face of the waters. So there's water above so this whole container it's rectangle Mo, he tells Moses in Hebrews I'm going to show you the tabernacle of the true tabernacle you're going to make the same thing down here so what you see on earth pictures that which is in heaven so he takes floods the container puts a container around sin that's what the judgment is in 1-2 contains it. Then he goes in there and he separates it out. And he puts waters above and waters beneath. Now, we're going to look at this in greater detail and we'll run all the verses. He takes this component right here and he it's frozen. This is frozen as well. All right? It's a sea of glass. It's a sea of ice. It's frozen. Now, he draws this closed. Well, who's up here? There's the third heaven. He is. He's pulled his glory out of the container. And then he put a deep. Have you ever lost anything in an ocean or in a lake and it went away? We, we, we uh, tubed down the Salt River several, about 10 years ago now, I think it is. We took the teens from here and we went. And there were guys out there scuba diving, scuba gear on. And I, I was talking to one of them, so what are you doing? He goes, oh, we go down and we work an area and we find all the stuff people drop out of their pockets. Because you get on the tube, happen, 
three-quarters of them are drunker than drunk, so they don't know anything. He goes, oh, we get keys, and we get wallets, and we get money. They're after money. But I said, well, what do you do when you find them? He goes, ah, we just go put it up there on the tables, and we leave it. They, you know, what's the guy going to do with the key to a car? He doesn't, you know, and, and if it's a fob, it's wet. It ain't going to work anyway. But, he, but what is he doing? He's down there, and he, on his goggles, he had two flashlights. Why? It's dark, even in the even that thin. Well, you can't see in here, so you can't get to there. Pulls back. In the middle of this, here's Earth. All right, third heaven, second heaven, first heaven, around the Earth. Okay. When the angels fall, sitting down here is the lake of fire. Or actually, it's in the water. Okay. Now you know why. How when Noah's flood happened, and the doors of heaven were, and the windows of heaven are open. See, there, everybody goes, "Oh, the flood just happened on the earth." No, it's a universal flood. <laughs> he flooded the whole thing. Well, now now you're in that passage in Jude, being held in chains of darkness. What did Moses tell him in Deuteronomy 5? Don't you make images of up here, up down here. Don't you do that. That's, that's where you stay. Now go to Psalms 82. They don't want to go where? Into the deep. Because what is this? This is judgment. And, that's, and they know that. Psalms 82, verse 1, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth amongst the gods. So we're talking about the angelic realm. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do just, by the way, poor and fatherless. That's a reference to the book of Revelation over there where you have fatherless. That means the Antichrist has killed dad for standing for the truth. The poor, they don't take the mark of the beast, so they can't buy or sell. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the land of the. Uh, I'm sorry. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of ye are the children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men. And fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. He's talking about the angelic host, and how are they going to die? Like men. So when he floods this area in Genesis 6, 7, 8, how do those guys die? That, fa that fallen creation die. Now, not all of them, the ones that left their first estate, visited the daughters of men, and so forth, by the way, they do it again. That thing in, G in Genesis 6 says, and they're going to do this again. So after the flood, they didn't learn their lesson. So there's some down here and there that are unclean spirits. They're disembodied spirits. They've lost their what? Their body. So they're out now inhabiting. Go back to Mark. Or, I'm sorry, Luke 8. So I got that off my chest there for a minute. You think about those things, and we'll... We're going to dive into them, uh, go back to Luke 8 a little bit more here uh, over the coming weeks. We'll, we'll 
because uh, I don't want to, we did this when we studied Luke 8. I think we spent three weeks on it, but it, that was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it seems like, a long time ago. So we're going to look at it again here, okay? Luke 8, um, if you look there at verse 31, and they besought him that he would not uh, command them to go out into the deep, and there was there a herd of, of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Again, notice he let them go. He, he honored their request. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. They go down ultimately into the very judgment that they are trying to avoid. That's the picture. So ultimately, Christ is going to rid the land of both the unclean spirit and all the things that the unclean spirits bring into Israel, all the, their unclean, uncleanness. And what he's doing here is he's demonstrating, go back to Mark 5, he's demonstrating that he will liberate Israel, he will liberate the land from that influence of Baal worship. Ultimately, he's going to do that. So in 5.14, we see the reaction of those around. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it, what it was that was done. What'd they do? They fled. They take off. But notice that they go, they're feeding the swine. Well, where are they out feeding the swine? In the mountains, in the graves, in the tombs, up, up where they're holding the religious activity. And they run to town. So they're outside of town, and they spread it out there of what's going on. Verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now think about that. That's a, a, they, they run. Pigs are on their own. Boom. They go into the city. They tell everybody. They get the group together, and they come back out, and they see the Lord sitting there with the man in the exact opposite condition than he was in to begin with. He's sitting. If he's sitting, he's at rest. He, he's, he's not running around when... When, they're, when you got that guy there, uh, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He, he's not out running around crazy. He's sitting there. He's no longer in turmoil. He's at rest. He, verse uh, 15, he's in his right mind. He's clear-headed. He's not out there doing the mumbo-jumbo, the peeping and the muttering. He's not out there chanting the, the chants. He's not the maniac that they say he was. He never was because of the, he had all the devils in him. So what's he doing? He's clear-headed. 
He's clothed. He's not naked. He's not cutting himself. He's no longer try, he's no longer out there, you know, doing what he knows. Well, he doesn't realize it, but he's in his right mind. His mind, his emotions, his body, it's all under control now. And he's sitting there, calm, in his right mind, clothed. So how would you react if you saw that? You see this guy running around, maniac, he's crazy, and now you see him sitting there going, calm, collective, all under control. In verse 16, And they that saw it told them how it befell to him, that was possessed with the devils, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Christ has literally destroyed what had held that man. And their reaction is to run the Lord out of town. Not, wow, do what you just did to me. Do what you did to him. Do it for the rest of us. He doesn't say that. They say, get out of town. We don't want you here. Get. Go. Now. So he leaves. The Lord's going to leave. But before he does, verse 18, And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now, that's a natural reaction. Here... <laughs> Here you've got the servant. He's come and he's done his work. They have rejected that work. They've rejected the servant. He's come. He's demonstrated his power. He's demonstrated his ability to deliver them. They don't want it. So he's leaving. So the man who benefited from that demonstration naturally wants to do what? Go with him. Now, that's what love will do. He's been set free, so what's the natural thing? I want to go with you. That's, you and I understand that. We talk to people about their salvation. They get saved. A natural thing for them then will be for them to listen to you concerning right division, studying the Bible. You show someone the issues of there are saved, you show them right division, then there's a natural thing for them to say, okay, I'm on board. Why? Because you had that great, you had that influence on them. Here they are. But now watch what the Lord says to him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion and hath had compassion on thee. What's he saying? No, go home and tell everybody. Spread it abroad. Verse 20, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. He goes out. Natural thing is to do what? Go tell everybody. Christ sends him out to preach. Sends him out. Says, nope, I, I, you need to go. And tell everybody. Now, in verse 21, and when Jesus was passed over again by the ship under the other side, much people gathered. In verse 21 down, we're going to have, the Lord's going to do 
couple miracles. He's going to raise Jairus' daughter, and he's going to deal with the woman with the issue of the blood. Now come down to 43. At the end of doing that, verse 43, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Notice there he says, don't tell anybody. The guy in verse 20, 19 and 20, go tell everybody. Here he says, don't go tell anyone. If, back in chapter 3, we've already seen him do this, verse 12. And straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Don't say anything. And what begins to happen now is people go, oh, see, look, he, he can't make up his mind. What's going on? How, you know, what, you know, right, 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 right. But really, there's, there's an issue that's going on here. And what's happening here in verse 19 and 20, where go speak it, and then again in 43, don't go, is a timing issue. Okay? So where, and it's a location issue. Where is this guy in 19 and 20? Well, he's way up north, isn't he? He's in that land of the spiritual darkness. And Christ is going to leave a light of testimony in that area of darkness up there. He's up in the northeastern side of the nation, and it is pitch black up there. And the Lord says, no, you stay. Go to Decapolis. By the way, Decapolis, it means the ten cities. So he's one of the ten cities. That's where he's from. And it's some 20 to 30 miles south of Gadara. So this guy being up in Gadara, he's not, he's not even from that area. But he's up there because of the satanic captivity. And he says, look, I need you to go home and be a light and to demonstrate and to tell people how I came and delivered you and had compassion on you, and that's what I'm going to do over here in the future. And you need to understand that, and you need to know that. And that's what he wants them to see. He wants them to see what he's come to do for Israel. Now, at the end of the chapter, he doesn't, he, he doesn't want them to show him. He's got something else going on doctrinally, and we'll get there when we go through it, okay? In verse 20, though, go and show him how he had done for him, and all men did marvel. The natural reaction there, okay? There's a natural thing here <laughs> that's happening. And when you think about this, it's really kind of, that's why this Maniac of Gadara event is one of the most preached events by preachers in Christianity because of everything you can pull out of it, okay? Now, we got 10 minutes to do eight hours of study, so I'm going to wait on the unclean stuff till next time, but I want to do something with you because in the scriptures, the unclean spirits, uh, the demons, the devils, the little d, not the big d, but the, have an attraction to water and to fire. And that, you and I have the same attraction, by the way. Don't you love sitting at the beach, listening to the water come in, go out, come in, go out, 
Maybe you do. Maybe I do. I love the beach. I would have never left Southern Cal. But my wife doesn't like the beach. But you know what she likes? The, the rim lakes. There's an attraction to water by man. Why? You've got the, uh, the elements of, what is it, air, wind, and air, uh, air, fire, and water, sorry. We'll do that, okay? So you've got this attraction. We do that with fire, don't we? Bonfires and, you know, the flames and the propane flame and all this. We have an attraction. Well, so do the unclean spirits. And what that has to do with and why that's the case is because it's where they are from. And it's who they're from and who they're a part of. Get Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. So in, in Scripture, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. In Scripture, the places of strong demonic influences, you usually are going to find it to be hot, wet places. Okay? You think about port cities in a hot climate. And what are they? They're full of debauchery and so forth. Well, that, there's a reason why. Okay? I love the beach. But I also like a bonfire on the beach. You know? Double whammy at the conference. There you go. Look at Isaiah 14. Just notice a couple things here just quickly. Isaiah 14. Look at verse 13. For I will... Uh, for thou hast said, now again, this is Lucifer, this is his rebellion plan, his plan of wisdom, the lie program. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. He's go, he, wants to, he's, he goes, I want to sit in that judgment seat this thing in Psalms 82, 1 there, judging the gods and so forth. I, I want to do that. I want to rule and reign over the angelic realm. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the, what? Clouds. What are clouds made up of? Water, vapor. Psalms 148 talks about them being vapor. So in order, if you think about this, he goes, I want to ascend up and do, in order to get to God, to be like the Most High and have the glory and the honor that God has, what do I have, what does he have wanting to do? Go through the water, ascend above the water, get up there. Now he can't get up there. That's why in Job 1, when he's visiting the sides of the north up in here, it's in the second heaven. It isn't in the third heaven because Satan's there. Nobody, Satan is not allowed in the throne room anymore. You, you look over Ezekiel 28. He's actually kicked out of the mountain of God, it says, and he's done. Uh, Ezekiel 28, just, just want you to know. So water, ascending above the clouds, water, it, it, it was, it's right there with Lucifer. It's part of him. Ezekiel 28, uh, again, you have the description here of Lucifer. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. 
and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Do you see the stones of fire? Prior to Lucifer's fall, he walked up and down in what's called the coals of fire. Now, in Scripture, fire represents judgment and judging. And if you think about him as Lucifer, what's happening in the mount of the congregation in the north? Judgment is happening. Fire is happening. He literally watched and participated with Jehovah in the executing of judgment in, the, in his universe. Now, we think about judgment as always being a bad thing. It isn't always that way in Scripture. It's just like that word condemnation. Everybody pops a gourd over Romans 8, talking to the believer about condemnation. It's not damnation, okay? There's a consequence to sin. It's called death. You see, he saw the Lord using judgment. He sees that operate. And he wants all, the, all of creation to be accountable to him. Because he just saw Jehovah be that way. So what's he after? What's the idea, again, a fire of judgment, the idea of water getting into, the, into God's presence, getting up there, up here sitting in the sides of the north, is a is the seat of judgment. He sees that it, it it's right there. Then he falls. Well, when he falls, what does he take with him? The same idea, the same thought process. And when he falls and he reaches out and he takes that angel, the fallen angelic realm with him, what immediately do they want associate? What is immediately associated with them? Water and fire and this judgment. And getting into the presence of God, being like the Most High God. So, again, Genesis 6, what happens? The Lord floods the earth, floods the whole universe, and water destroys them. So there's a connection here. There's a reason why the legion says, don't throw us in, out of the land. That's our job. But then put us in the swine, and where'd the swine go? Right into the deep. And they don't like that. That's why the thing there in Jude about the, the, the angels that left their first estate, and they're held in chains of darkness. They're held down here in this deep. So <clears throat> we'll pick up on all that and, and massage all that out a little bit better. Okay? And that's, you're in Ezekiel. Look over at chapter 31. Ezekiel 31. Ezekiel 29, 30, and 31 are all prophetic passages about the Antichrist in the last days. And there, there are pictures here about how, well, Revelation 2 calls it the depths of Satan. Romans 1 describes the depths of sin, but the depths of Satan, how, how, just how deeply depraved satanic thinking is. 
And as he describes it here, Ezekiel 31, if you just look at verse 2, Son of man, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, that's not the Pharaoh that got him out over here. Uh, uh, Exodus, Pharaoh. This is a different Pharaoh. Verse 3, behold, the Assyrian. So the Pharaoh here is the Assyrian, who is the Antichrist. That's who he is. Drop down to verse 16. I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall. When I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit. And all the trees of, Leb of Eden, the choice and the best of Lebanon, all that drink water shall be confronted in the neither parts of the earth. I'm sorry, comforted. What did I say? Confronted. Comforted. Now, notice, it, yeah, that's going to be a prime thing here. Read it right, Rick. <laughs> Comforted. He's cast all of them down into hell, into the pit. Now, look in chapter 32, and look at verse 31. Pharaoh shall see them. The end of verse 30 there. Beat their sh uh, and, and bear their shame with them that go down to the pit. Hell, Pharaoh shall see them and shall be comforted over all his multitude. Even Pharaoh and all his armies slain by the sword, saith the Lord. Notice Pharaoh, again, a picture of the Antichrist and the satanic policy of evil. He sees them cast into hell, and you know what? He's comforted by that. So the depths of the satanic thinking is that when he sees the damned go to hell, he's what? He's comforted by it. The ultimate end to all of it, just like Romans 1 there, the ultimate end in sin is to see other, have pleasures and others doing the same thing. The ultimate end here is what? Boom, there it is. That's how demonic this stuff is. And your Bible is very clear. Dad always said, your Bible is the only book, the only scientific book that labels and identifies for you what's going on in the world today. Because as you look around, science has no clue. Science is just now catching up to a lot of the stuff that's in the Old Testament, especially in Job. But yet here we are when we can see it. Okay? Now I digress there. Back to Mark 5. We'll, we will spend a little time talking about the demons and uh, so forth because I don't want to just run from it. I want to kind of, so you get that, and we'll get it here in the study, and we'll look at the shape of the universe and stuff like that. But the issue here is that these guys, the Lord demonstrates how he's going to liberate the land and the people of Israel. And he did it. Now, he's going to leave. Why? It's not time for that to be a permanent thing. He went up. He demonstrated it. He leaves a light in the darkness to shine forth. And yet he's going to go now and often do some other things. Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. All right? So we have to, you know, again, massage some of this out a little bit on these unclean spirits. 
And uh, I'm going to do it here. We didn't do it in Matthew when we studied Matthew. We did it in Luke. I'm going to do it here in Mark just so that we're, we remember and or we, we, get, we, we grasp what's happening, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, we just thank you for who we are in your son. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.